listening to the Keeping It Juicy podcast. You made squeezing nutrition. Don't forget to subscribe so you can join us every Tuesday for a brand new episode. And add us on Facebook and Instagram at Keeping It Juicy Podcast. <laughs> Welcome to episode seven, aka Muscle Legos, <laughs> aka Protein. <laughs> yeah. So if you couldn't get it, if you couldn't get it, then we we are talking about protein today. We talked about fat before, so we're gonna do a little spin on protein. Yes, we are. So, <laughs> so to start off, I want to introduce some new news. New uh, this nutrition news. news. New nutrition in the news. Same, same. <laughs> so this article that I found, um, so it's called Chipotle launches keto, paleo friendly, high protein lifestyle bowls. So basically, Chipotle is trying to apply to the New Year's resolutioners, and that's why they started to come out with this thing called Lifestyle Bowls. These four new bowls cater to those on a keto, paleo, or high-protein, or to those that just simply seek a healthier dining option in general. Basically... They kind of boost, um, in one of their tweets, they say, nobody wants to hear about your New Year's resolutions, and with our new menu shortcuts, nobody will have to. I don't know. I'm not a fan of that statement. I don't, I don't like it either, because when I go to Chipotle, I'm just like, light on the beans, no rice, right. if I'm not feeling that, and then I go on with my day. I mean, yeah, like, since when does getting a better option at a fast food restaurant make it seem like you know you're boring people with your diet i don't know i think well i mean anything to get money so basically basically they're taking something that's already there exactly rebranding it uh so now i'll just go into exactly what the four (laughs) new bowls are and i mean they all sound good i I actually wanted to go get one before uh we started recording this so i could kind of like review it too but that didn't happen maybe in the future (laughs) Uh, But the first one is a keto salad bowl, and it says braised and hand-shredded carnitas, red salsa, pasture-raised shredded cheese, and hand-mashed guacamole on a fresh bed of chopped romaine lettuce. I'm not sure if I want my guacamole um, (laughs) mashed by someone's hand. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking, then hand-shredded carnitas? No, thank you. I mean, the other thing is, Everything that is described in that bowl is literally no different than what you could just purchase on, on like, the menu they had before. So, you know, again, it's just, like, kind of rebranding of what they already had. Um, the second one is called the Paleo mm-hmm. Salad Bowl. It's braised and hand-shredded barbacoa fajita veggies, green salsa, and hand-mashed guacamole on a bed of fresh chopped romaine lettuce. So, you know, kind of the same thing, except this one is paleo. We will probably dive deeper into paleo on another episode. If you can't tell, we're not a fan of paleo either. (laughs) And then the next one is the Whole30 Salad Bowl, braised, and hand-shredded carnitas. They got their fingers in all these bowls. <laughs> <laughs> That's unsanitary, okay? Wash your hands. 
I mean, I know they're trying to be like a lifestyle bowl, but get your fingers out my food. Okay, so braised and hand-shredded carnitas, grilled fajita veggies, fresh tomato salsa, and hand-mashed guacamole on a bed of fresh chopped romaine lettuce. Okay, okay, here's my problem. Mm. Yes! So, they all sound the okay, same! So, paleo. Sorry. Why is the carnitas not paleo that was the only difference and this fresh tomato salsa like there must be something in the salsa that's not paleo that make that but the green salsa is paleo i I don't know i get confused on the definition of paleo like so many times like i get like paleo from what i remember i was told that it was supposed to be anything that the caveman ate so and i mean paleo is one of those things uh, where it's a lot up to interpretation. Um, like some people who do the paleo diet, uh-huh. they'll eat sweet potatoes, but they won't eat regular potatoes. And I'm like, well, wouldn't like the potatoes have been around with the caveman anyways? Like, why are they just eating sweet potatoes? Like, I'm just not understanding yeah. a weird yeah. diet too. I was just going to say, if you guys want to drop any comments, but, um, just let us know Definitely. what your take is on paleo. And last, but certainly not least, we have the double protein salad bowl. And this one is a full serving of grilled adobado chicken and a serving of grilled steak with black beans, red salsa, romaine lettuce, sour que- cream, <laughs> cream, <laughs> and white rice. <laughs> <laughs> That's provocative. Yeah, I'm like dosed up on on cold medicine so forgive me wait how did you say the chicken adobo (laughs) adobo oh it's adobo i thought it was auto oh yeah not yeah adobato (laughs) i therefore i therefore dubbed this chicken adobato so (laughs) there you guys have it for the new year's new nutrition news and Yeah, I mean, obviously all of these sound super tasty, but I don't know. I wish they used a different lettuce than just romaine. Spinach to help us poop faster? Like arugula? I don't know. Like, throw something else in the mix. If you try one, let us know. We will probably be trying one in the near future as well. So let's just dive into the episode. So today we are going to talk about (laughs) muscle Legos, protein. What it is, the history of protein, what types of protein there are, and different supplements in the market today. But before we get into all that fun stuff, do you want to share how you decided on the name Muscle Legos? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So I went on to Urban Dictionary um, and I typed in protein. Muscle Legos didn't pop up, but building blocks popped up. And I immediately thought of Legos, hence muscle Legos, because protein are the building blocks of muscle. Um, does that make sense? I feel like it, it makes it sense. It makes total sense. <laughs> and now we're here. <laughs> so let's just jump right in. So what actually is a protein? I feel like in today's like diet culture and fitness culture, we throw protein around all the time, like protein gains, rah, rah, like you know, just all hype goes around protein, but we're going to actually like dissect what protein actually is. So protein is 
any of a class of nitrogenous organic compounds that consist of large molecules composed of one or more long chains of amino acids and are an essential part of all living organisms. This includes body tissues such as muscle, hair, collagen, and then enzymes and antibodies. There are multiple classifications of protein, and we're going to go through like what each of those actually are. So the first one I want to talk about is the classification of antibodies. So antibodies bind to foreign particles such as viruses and bacteria. Uh, When antibodies bind to either viruses or bacteria, it basically helps protect the body by binding to it so that that virus or bacteria can't get into like your other tissues and make you sick. So protein is very important for your immune system. Another classification of protein is also enzymes. So enzymes carry out thousands of chemical reactions that take place in each and every one of your cells. Uh, They also assist with the formation of new molecules reading the genetic information stored in your DNA. You have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different types of enzymes. Ones that we hear most commonly kind of in the media are digestive enzymes. So you can take these externally and they basically help you digest your food. But ones that we tend to forget about are all of the other enzymes that are inside your cells that help with chemical reactions. So creating energy inside your cells, multiplying and dividing your cells so that you can like actually grow and kill off like old cells. So basically every chemical reaction has an enzyme. Another classification of proteins is messenger proteins. So these are some types of hormones and basically it'll transmit signals to coordinate um, biological processes between different cells, tissues, and organs. So an example of this is when you eat food, your, your stomach will send a signal to your brain telling you that you're full. That is a hormone um, message, basically. So all of your hormones are made of protein. So you need protein to help these signaling processes. And then another classification of proteins are structural. So these proteins provide structure and support for your cells. On a larger scale, they also allow the body to move. You know, I've talked about different types of proteins, but this is where like actual muscle comes into play. Your muscle mass is only a portion of the structure, like a a portion of the structural protein category. So protein has many more functions in your body than just, oh, the gains. (laughs) I know, shocker, right? (laughs) And then the last uh, category and classification of proteins are transport proteins, and these proteins bind and carry atoms and small molecules within cells and throughout the body. So kind of similar to messenger proteins, but instead of sending a message, they're just like transporters. So those are all of the classifications of protein, and like I said, as you can see, there is a lot more need for protein than just for like muscle gains. Wow. You really dissected the protein. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's what we wanted, right? Yeah. Okay. So jumping into why we need protein. If you weren't convinced by all of the things I said before, you basically need protein because it plays a huge role in all of your metabolic functions whether it's an enzyme, an antibody, a messenger, structure, 
Protein is necessary for all of these things. So let's jump into how much protein we actually need. So in general, if you like pick up any basic nutrition book, it'll read for the average healthy normal individual, you'll have 0.8 to 1.2 grams per kilogram. But in reality, kilogram, I had to emphasize kilograms. <laughs> That's it. What did I say though? No, you said kilograms. I was, I was, I was just being oh, a hype okay. man. That's it. <laughs> okay. I, like I said, I've taken a lot of cold medicine, so I'm a little loopy. <laughs> so 0.8 to 1.2 grams per kilogram is used for healthy, normal individuals. But in my opinion, who really is normal? Um, in general, <laughs> like the upper range, the 1.2 grams per kilogram is used if your activity is very high and if lean muscle growth is the, is the desired outcome. But don't just eat more protein and not work out. That doesn't work. You actually have to work out too if you ever want to see those muscle gains. But again, like 1.2 grams per kilogram for someone trying to build muscle is pretty reasonable. People who are exceptions to like that general rule are like burn victims and cancer patients who are going through chemo or radiation. It's not uncommon to see them on diets that have three grams per kilogram. And this is basically because that extra protein helps helps facilitate tissue repair. So like I said, protein is very important to uh, structure of cells. And when you've gone through chemo or you have like third degree burns, your body needs to repair quickly. Um, so I just want to give a little example. As you probably know, one kilogram is equal to 2.2 pounds. And I want to give just like a little example of the grams of protein range if we're using like the lower limit and like the super upper limit. So let's just take a 150 pound person that would make them 68 kilograms. If we are using the lower end of that range, so the 0.8 grams per kilogram, that person would be eating 54.4 grams of protein. If we're looking at the upper end of that, and this 150-pound person is a burn victim or cancer or some other traumatic experience, and they were eating 3 grams per kilogram, that would put them at 204 grams of protein per day. So that is a very huge range. With that being said, um, that's, after all that math, let's dive into <laughs> the history Let's dive into the history of protein. So I will get a little bit historical, so just bear with me. The one thing that I saw that stood out was one of the, I just want to point out that one of the earliest like ideas of high protein diets came from a distinguished physiologist named Dr. Carl Boyd. So he studied some laborers who consumed about 3,100 calories daily. Um, don't forget, these are laborers. They work really hard. It was back in the day. And he concluded just by, I guess, studying them and their diets that the protein intake that they need is 118 grams per day. And that's probably well over what I need or what Christine needs. So he basically, he believed that people with sufficient income who could afford almost any choice of foods would choose a diet that would contain the right amount of protein to enhance their health and productivity. So moving on from that, um, one of the first scientific experiments 
to try to figure out what our protein needs are came from this professor named Professor Chittenden. Yeah. <laughs> Chittenden. So if I said that yeah. right, but um, he basically experimented first on himself. So basically for about nine months, he recorded his own body weight. Initially, his weight was 143 pounds. And then when he converted his new diet to consist of protein as one third of the total macronutrient ratio, his weight actually dropped down to 128 pounds. Mm-hmm. So with this, he was basically he was going off of the amount of protein that Dr. Voigt had recommended from the previous story. So he basically kind of bested that this protein allowed his health to remain excellent and he was able to enjoy greater freedom from fatigue and muscle soreness than in previous years of different dietary measures. He actually also claimed that by reducing a little bit of his meat intake, he realized that his condition disappeared. His arthritis disappeared from his knee, and he had headaches that also decided to disappear. Moving Uh, on from that, a new doctor in 1942. Again, like if you look at all of these macronutrient and nutrition history, you realize a lot of this stuff was discovered only, like, was really only examined within the past one and a half century. So it's still very, very new. And it's, I, I, I don't know, it's very slow moving in my opinion. But, Anyways, in 1942, this doctor named Dr. William Rose really tried to see how much protein humans needed by testing testing rats to see how much humans actually needed. So they he basically fed rats um, cornstarch, sucrose, butter fat, without protein, corn oil, inorganic salts, um, and a whole mixture of highly purified amino acids we'll go into amino acids in a little bit but he just basically experimented with rats before he actually had a major conclusion about humans so that's a long and nice little boring history about protein but But what was his conclusion his was still vague he was just one of the first person to start testing human Uh, needs i don't know so and i mean again like the like you said it really hasn't been studied super in-depth. It's a very slow-moving study. And the truth of the matter mm-hmm. is, like, most of us are getting plenty of protein. I said especially people in the South. And I mean, Americans in general, like, protein is a very easy macronutrient to get. Actually, they're, all of the macronutrients are easy to get. It's the micronutrients that mm-hmm. we completely skip out on. A general rule of thumb that I hear thrown around a lot, if you take your weight in pounds and divide it by two, that's a good starting point for your protein grams. Yeah, I would say that yeah. for the general population. Yeah. And that's a very easy way to kind of do your own protein grams mm-hmm. because if you think about it, like the conversion between uh, kilograms to pounds is about two. So it's 2.2 if you just drop the two tenths of a pound, like cutting it in half seems to work. So mm-hmm. yeah, t- take your weight, divide it by two, 
try that amount of grams for your protein. But also, like we said, or like I had mentioned in the episode before when I was doing the competition, I was eating a ton of protein before. Like I was eating like upwards of 150 to 170 grams of protein. And she dropped my protein like rapidly overnight. And I lost a lot of strength and a lot of muscle because of it. So it's important Mm. to remember like what your starting point is too. If right now you're only eating, I don't know, 60 grams of protein and then overnight you try to eat 120, it's going to be challenging. But Mm -hmm. if you're eating like 200 grams of protein and then you drop it down to 100, like you're going to feel a difference. That's a lot of protein. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, moving on. So types of protein, we're basically going to be talking about what amino acids actually are. So like a lot of nutrients, amino acids are broken down into essential and non-essential. So essential are the types that you need to eat from your food because your body can't make it itself. Non-essential are all of the other ones. So these are non-essential because your body can make them on its own. So I want to go through what the essential ones are and a, a fun little acronym that I remember learning in school on how to remember them. Uh, so the acronym you're going to remember is Private MT Hill. And that's just how I remembered it. And the acronym is PV for Private MT Hill, H-I-L-L. And your essential amino acids are going to be phenylalanine, valine, methionine, tryptophan, histidine, isoleucine, leucine, and lysine. Again, these are essential because your body cannot make it by itself. And just two little fun facts about these essential amino acids. Tryptophan, you've probably heard a lot about it around like Thanksgiving time because tryptophan is heavily found in Turkey. And tryptophan actually makes you sleepy because tryptophan is a precursor to serotonin. And serotonin uh, is a hormone that makes you feel relaxed. So that's... Part of why people say like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired after Thanksgiving dinner because of all the tryptophan and the turkey. And it's like, nah, you just stuffed your stuffed your face. <laughs> Another fun fact about lysine. So as I mentioned before, all of the amino acids, I mean, all protein in general is important for immunity because it makes those antibodies, but especially lysine. So lysine plays an even more crucial role in the immune system and is actually mostly applied to like the herpes virus. So basically what it does is it helps strengthen the immune system to to fight off flare-ups. This can be very beneficial for those who struggle from like chronic cold sores. And like I said before, the other amino acids are non-essential, so your body can make them on its own. A complete protein is something that contains all of the essential amino acids in the correct amounts. So I'm sure you've heard in the media like, oh, this is great because it's a complete protein and it gets all this hype. And it gets the hype because it it contains all of the essential amino acids in the correct amount. So some plant proteins like quinoa have actually been debated if they actually are a complete protein. So even though quinoa does contain the correct amino acids and in the correct amount, they're not absorbed as a complete protein. So what I mean by that is the bioavailability of the the protein and the, and the amino acids in quinoa is not 100% absorbed. 
Animal proteins are much more bioavailable, meaning we absorb a higher percentage of those nutrients. So with that being said, let's kind of dive into certain protein supplements and products out in the market today. Um, We'll just go over some basic. If you're out looking to buy a protein powder, this will basically just give you the basic guidelines. So when you go and buy a protein powder... There's going to be different amounts. There's going to be concentrated sources of protein from either animal or plant foods, such as dairy, eggs, rice, peas, etc. So there's basically three different types of protein. I'll go into the sources in a, a little bit. So these there are protein concentrates. What that means is, is this protein powder is basically produced by extracting protein from a whole food using heat, and acid or enzymes, and they typically supply about 60 to 80% protein, but the rest of the protein powder is usually about 20 to 40% of fat and carbs, so this might be more ideal for people trying to put on weight. Going from that, we have protein isolates. So basically, this is done through an additional filtering process that removes those fats and carbs, therefore concentrating the protein even more, Protein isolates contain about 90 to 95% protein. And then finally, we have something called protein hydrolysates. Basically, this is protein powder that goes through further heating with acid or enzymes. And it basically breaks the bonds between those amino acids in that protein powder and allows it to be absorbed much quicker in your body and your muscles. So... Maybe the hydrolysis might be something you just really want to take after you go to the gym or you just work out. And isolate may be something you just want to look at for weight loss purposes, just to give a overall summary of that. And then basically there are different protein powders in the market. So anywhere from animal to plant products, the first protein powder and the most common protein powder that I have come across is whey protein. Whey protein comes from milk. Whey is the liquid that separates from the curds during the cheese making process. It's high in protein. (laughs) Did you know? I've never liked hearing about how whey protein is made. (laughs) I mean, the... Do have you seen the video? Yes. I mean, I don't know. It's fine. Cheese curdling is just a very ugly, stinky process. Have you have you tried cottage cheese? Is that what it reminds you of? I like cottage cheese. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so don't think about that. <laughs> so. So whey protein, it's high in protein, but it also has lactose, which is a milk sugar that a lot of people may have difficulty digesting. I mean, I'm slightly lactose intolerant, so I might have an issue with that. So keep in mind that while whey protein does have some lactose, the isolate version of the whey contains very little of this lactose because it's lost during processing. Um, whey protein also digests quickly and it's rich in branched chain amino acids. And basically these amino acids are digested and absorbed into your bloodstream, which allows them to be available for muscle protein synthesis. This can help build and maintain muscle mass, assist with recovery from heavy exercise, and increase your muscle strength in response to stress trading. 
It may also reduce appetite and promote fat loss if done correctly. So second protein powder that you may see is casein protein. So like whey, casein is also found in milk. However, casein is digested and absorbed much more slowly. So casein basically, when you ingest it, when you swallow it, um, it forms a gel. (laughs) When you swallow it, um, it forms a gel when it interacts with your stomach acid. I know that sounds gross, but that's just... It's way of, very gross. <laughs> but that's how you digest it slower and absorb yeah, it slower. Exactly. Um, which, I mean, if you want, like, continued, I guess, release, protein release into your body, that might be more for you. Basically, when it forms gel, it slows down how your stomach empties and it delays your bloodstream's ability to absorb those amino acids. Um, so this basically results in a steadier exposure of your muscles to the amino acids in that casein, which in theory would should reduce the rate of muscle protein breakdown. Research indicates that casein is more effective at increasing muscle protein synthesis and strength than soy and wheat protein, but not as much as whey protein. I just want to add something in. So whey protein is typically had after a workout. A lot of people will will drink casein like at night before bed so that they're getting a steady release of amino acids into their bloodstream like during the nighttime. Mm -hmm. But another note, cottage cheese actually is very, very high in casein. So if you think about milk like curdling, you have the casein and then you have the whey. The casein are those clumps that remain, which is cottage cheese, as gross as that sounds. So if you're not a protein smoothie or protein shake drinker, but you want casein, cottage cheese is the best option for that. Hmm. Interesting. I don't think I would enjoy cottage cheese at night, though. I do. I mean, okay. To each their own, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I had a client who, um, she put cottage cheese on her steamed cauliflower i mean that's not too far-fetched of an idea i mean (laughs) i've done weirder things (laughs) okay um (laughs) so the third protein that you may see is egg protein so eggs are an excellent source of high quality protein of all whole foods eggs have the highest protein digestibility corrected amino acids score So basically, the score measures a protein's quality and digestibility. Eggs are also one of the best foods for decreasing appetite and helping you stay full for a longer period of time. However, egg proteins are typically made from egg whites rather than whole eggs. So even though the quality is very good, you may experience less fullness because the high-fat yolks have been removed. Like all animal products, eggs are a complete protein source. That means they have all of the nine essential amino acids previously mentioned that your body can't make. So what's more is that egg protein is second only to whey as the highest score of leucine, the BCAA that plays the largest role in muscle health. So keep in mind, egg white protein hasn't been studied as much as whey or casein. So just take that as you will. And then next is pea protein. So these might be more for the vegetarians and vegans. This is more popular among those populations 
or for people who have allergies or sensitivities to dairy or eggs. It's made from yellow split pea, a high fiber legume that basically has all the essential amino acids, but one, pea protein is actually pretty rich in branched chain amino acids. There was a rat study that noted that pea protein is absorbed slower than whey protein, but faster than casein. So basically, its ability to trigger the release of several fullness hormones may be comparable to that of dairy protein. Even though this pea protein powder does show promise, more research needs to be done to confirm these results. So something to keep in mind. Yeah, pea protein is one of my favorite like non-animal protein sources that is like popular right now. The only downside of pea protein is it's super grainy. So mm-hmm. if you're having protein shakes with pea protein, the texture is awful. <laughs> so don't do that. <laughs> I tried to create um, pancakes with that, and Ooh. it was actually very, very liquidy compared to if I just did a regular whey protein powder, and I did, was not happy about that. Weird. So I, I had crepes instead. Um, <laughs> so I mean, that's not the worst thing in the world. I know, but I wanted some fluffy pancakes. Did you add baking soda? Yeah, it was still terrible. Did you add eggs? No. Oh. Whatever. Um, anyways, the next protein powder is hemp protein, which is actually still pretty new. So again, yeah. there's not a lot of research on it. So it's another plant-based supplement that's gaining popularity. Although it is related to marijuana, weed. It contains <laughs> it contains trace amounts of the psychoactive component THC. Like it only contains a little bit. Hemp is rich in beneficial omega three fatty acids and several essential amino acids. Not all of them. Mm-hmm. It's not considered a complete protein because it has very very low levels of lysine and leucine. It does appear to be well digested as a plant protein source, but again, more research needs to be done. Next is the brown rice protein, which I'm not sure how I feel about this, but (laughs) um, so apparently brown rice protein has been around for some time, but they're actually considered to be generally inferior to whey protein for building muscle for the general population that it may be fine. So although rice protein contains all of the essential amino acids, it is still too low in lysine to be a complete protein. There isn't a lot of research on it, but a study did compare the effects of rice and whey powders in fit young men. Basically compared the effects of rice and whey powders, um, and they research showed that the end, end muscle results were comparable to that of whey. So it's pretty similar, um, but still more research needs to be done, obviously. And in regards to the last but not least is mixed plant proteins, which is actually my preferred favorite because, as you all know, not all plant proteins are complete proteins. So if you put two and two together, if you basically complement one plant with another plant, you would help, I guess, make up for each other's lack of um, missing amino acids. That just what's going on in my head no you're right so you're right yeah (laughs) (laughs) so these protein powders do have a blend of 
what I just mentioned, different plants. So two or more of the following proteins are usually combined, and that's brown rice, pea, hemp, alfalfa, chia seeds, black seeds, artichoke, believe it or not, and quinoa. Wow. So due in part to the high fiber content, plant proteins tend to digest slower than animal projects, which can, like... Compared to animal proteins, this can be beneficial if you just want something to have for breakfast um, to still keep you full and still give you that protein that you need. So um, right. it may not pro- be it may not pose a problem for many people. It can limit the amino acids your body can use immediately after exercise. So maybe not immediately after you lift weights. This plant protein was basically considered comparable to whey protein in terms of the speed at which amino acids appeared in the blood. So that's just basically a summary of the types of protein powders. Again, this can come in protein bars and chips, not just powders. And there's also even protein tablets, which is it's found in the general market, but they also have it for some dialysis patients as well. Huh, cool. So, you, well, you should have noticed, but I left one out. That's soy. But I'm pa- I'm not going to talk about it in this episode. You know why? Because I'm going to save it for another episode. <laughs> but seriously, it has a lot of controversy. I'm not going to spill all the beans, and we're already running pretty long. <laughs> Speaking of beans, beans actually complement rice to create a complete protein. Yeah, it does. So I guess if you complement pea with brown rice, that could form a good mixed plant protein. And that is truly how vegans get a lot of their protein is just by knowing, you know, they have to eat a variety of plant sources that are high in protein so that they can get all of their essential amino acids. In my opinion, it's a little bit easier just to <laughs> just to eat animal protein from time to time. Um, but again, that is a personal choice. Don't just push your carnivore agendas on these people. (laughs) Hey, vegans push their agendas on me all the time, so. (laughs) I have so many things. Why can't I push mine? (laughs) Okay. As long as it's not keto, we're fine. So, yeah, um, if you're a vegan, you can certainly be a vegan without having any deficiencies if you know how to do it right. If you don't know how to do it right, then you have no business being a vegan. That's just me. Right. And unfortunately, vegan is kind of one of those things where kind of like keto, if you're not doing it right, you're probably doing more harm than good to your body. Mm -hmm. So if you have any interest in being vegan, you know, just definitely do your research, maybe uh, consult a dietitian beforehand just to make sure you are like clear to go yeah and definitely consult with your doctor if you have any underlying conditions like especially if you're anemic if you need any additional things check with your doctor right so there you go so i think that is it for today unless you want to add something like a cup of coffee (sighs) ew okay (laughs) (laughs) i guess she adds that okay Wash your hands. Stay inside. <laughs> stay. Take your vitamins. Put on a blindfold. Just kidding. I don't know. Don't get sick. It sucks. Yeah. Well, that concludes our episode. So we will uh, catch you guys next time. Stay tuned. Bye. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to the Keeping It Juicy podcast. Your main squeeze in nutrition. Don't forget to subscribe so you can join us every Tuesday for a brand new episode. Also, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Keeping It Juicy Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a review. Five stars, no less. On whatever platform you're listening to, or send us an email at keepingitjuicypodcast at gmail.com. Or if you have any topics you'd like for us to touch upon, shoot us an email. Until next time, don't do anything that I wouldn't do. Why didn't you talk about soy? Oh, shit. I don't know. Um, there actually has been some... Where's my thing? It's like the Some plant proteins, like... Oh, oh, oh. Um... And research shows... The fine fit. I, I would assume it's, like, <laughs> moderately active. <laughs> so, Define young. Uh, I would say under 30. Define men. Well, they have a peen. <laughs> and they identify themselves as such. <laughs> okay. So this got inappropriate. <laughs>